Welcome to the Not Your Normal Social Emotional Learning Podcast. My name is Nini White, and in this episode, we are going to tackle myth number three about increasing students' social emotional learning. And that myth is teachers need to clearly define children's understanding about right and wrong. Well, actually, I don't totally disagree with this myth. (laughs) You weren't expecting me to say that now, were you? But really, why do teachers teach? I mean, because teaching is what we do. The thing is, for this myth, what we need to recognize is that there are many different ways to teach because there are many different ways to learn and not all of them take the direct path from point A to point B. In other words, from the teacher's mouth to the student's ears. I'm sure we have all noticed that fact. I'm sure you're aware of your students' different learning styles. You have visual learners who need pictures and images. You have auditory learners who do better when their learning is combined with sounds and music. You have verbal learners who must speak out their own understanding in order to gain a solid grasp of your intended learning. And then there are kinesthetic learners who have a real need to move, 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 move their bodies, move their hands and move their feet to learn, to integrate and remember knowledge. Logical learners need to reason their way towards answers that make the most sense to themselves. Social learners are kids who prefer learning and processing information within the dynamics of group interactions. And then there are solitary learners who need to be alone to process knowledge in order to to actually remember and actually use it. How is one teacher supposed to teach right and wrong to all those different learning styles? Well, obviously, there are many advantages for you and your students to teach to as many of those learning styles as often as you possibly can, rather than relying on the direct path from point A, you, to point B, your students. You know, the old-fashioned top-down approach, sometimes referred to as sage on the stage, or the teacher-preacher approach. Ultimately, though, if what we are teaching is not actually being remembered, is uh, not actually being learned and remembered and used in real life for everyone's benefit, then no matter how good or how disciplined or how organized our teaching is, especially when it comes to our students learning right and wrong, then am I the only one who thinks that maybe it's time to consider new possibilities? One quick and very practical suggestion for teaching that gets remembered and used while incorporating nearly all of the learning styles and developed a long time ago is the Socratic method. In a nutshell, Socrates is famous for saying, I cannot teach anyone anything. I can only make them think. Now, can you remember back when you were a kid and you were always being told right from wrong, this from that, do this, don't do that? How much did all of those do's and don'ts stick in you? How often, or if they did stick, how often 
did they need to be repeated and repeated? How often did you need to come up to your own conclusions so that you could feel like you were living by your own sense of right and wrong? And once you had come to your own conclusions, was it more natural for you to live by your own values, your own conclusions? Maybe not perfect, but easier and more natural, more automatic. How many of those learning styles can you easily combine into a lesson about, let's say, pushing? Well, it would be easy enough to provide a variety of pictures for your visual learners of people pushing in line, people pushing on the playground, of, of uh, let's see, even by contrast, pushing someone on a swing, the good kind of pushing. While your students are looking at those pictures, you could ask them all kinds of questions for your social learners, some good open-ended questions about what they see in the pictures, about times when pushing might be okay, and other times when it's not okay for your logical learners, and maybe ask the kids to compare pushing with interrupting for your logical as well as your verbal learners. Let's not leave out the kinesthetic learners. What if there could be a demonstration of pushing by two of your students? Very likely you'd have plenty of volunteers for that one, as well as a few laughs. Yeah, it might get a little rowdy, but pushing would never, ever be the same for those kids because they've learned about the topic from so many different angles through a variety of their learning styles. With the right kinds of questions, questions that would gain Socrates' approval by, at the very least, being open-ended. Which is how we can get students to think, to reason, to logically conclude in the direction of their own best answers that draw upon and activate their own conscience, their own personal awareness of right and wrong. And by doing that with classmates, social learning styles, they're enabled to discover their, that everyone has a natural-born sense of right and wrong. How do we know this? Because all students know how they want to be treated. So with a little finesse, it's entirely possible to give kids the clear understanding that no one likes to be pushed. By enabling our students, even our very young students, to share in those kinds of discoveries, which are not lectures, but personal discoveries for themselves, our teaching of right and wrong becomes not only easier, but more inclusive and more successful. Dang, it's something worth thinking about, don't you think? <laughs> So those are a few of our thoughts on myth number three about increasing students' social-emotional learning, this one being that teachers need to clearly define children's understanding about right and wrong. And just to conclude, the reason that's a myth is because teaching about right and wrong, even though necessary, is only one necessary element, one necessary ingredient of students learning, remembering, and independently using their understanding about right and wrong. Is this uh, myth-busting uh, helping? I hope so, because next episode we're going to start talking about, we're going to start taking on myths about um, 
children's ability to self-correct their own behaviors. Sound interesting? Um, Why not subscribe to this podcast? Once you do, you'll be automatically notified when each new episode is released. We are here for you. And if there's a specific challenge you're experiencing with your students that has anything to do with social-emotional learning, let us know, and we'll see if we can come up with some helpful thoughts and ideas for you. Okay, until next time.